What is up, YQR? My name's Kenya. My name's Haley. And it, for those who know us, <laughs> know that we are obsessed with true crime. Yes. And the other day we got to be on CBC Radio. That was actually, well, it was exciting, but really scary. Very. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, you probably know how to talk in front of people. We're not scared of that or talk with radio. Talk on like, the radio. Like, yeah. I'll no. shit my pants. I edit a lot out. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool. And one of the questions they asked was, um, what do we model ourselves after? What are our favorite podcasts? And of course, it's all of the true crime podcasts. Yes. There's quite a few of them, too. Oh, 100%. I'd say mostly, though, my favorite murder. Yeah. Because they're the best. And there's a couple that are hosted by two females as well. So For sure, yeah. yeah. And so we wanted to bring true crime to this podcast. So maybe it doesn't really show for is that great, but it does showcase some really cool things. Kind of. <laughs> but I mean, we're not just going to do Regina too. We're going to do, well, this one's about Regina, but other, because what are we going to do? Every fifth episode will be a... Every once in a while, we're going to throw a true crime episode in, yeah. and it's not going to be always on Regina. It will be about Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan because yeah. true crime is everywhere. You can't <laughs> only talk about the good things, okay? Yeah, we got to talk about the bad. This is real life. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so for those who don't like true crime, I do recommend maybe skipping to the next episode. We don't want to offend anyone. We aren't perfect at this. We got all of our information off Google and probably Wikipedia. So I didn't use Wikipedia. Well, I didn't either, but I don't know. <laughs> I found like a valid source. I did go to university at one point in my life. Yeah. But um, we do not want to offend anyone. We don't want to trigger anybody. So no. And I mean, if we happen to get anything wrong and you feel really offended about it, you can... Don't let us know. Do let us know. I don't <laughs> no, care. No, no, Please email us. We'd like to know. Can't say we'll fix it, but we do want to know. Well, no, you can't just go back and redo it, you know. <laughs> Sorry if we get anything wrong, but I'm pretty, these were some good sources, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be deep. So. It's going to be depressing. Get your, get ready. Get, get your. Get some ice cream. I don't know. Make yourself feel good for a little bit because yeah. you're going to feel real bad real yes. quick. Yep. Maybe get a drink candy, if that's your thing. If not, get a Pepsi or Slurpee. something. Slurpee. Slurpee. I haven't had a Slurpee Ooh. in a long time. Yeah. Good thing it's nice out now. There's a convenience store down from where I live that has, when they get their Slurpee machine, they're going to do fl- free Slurpees. Yes. yes. Cool. Um. So, do you want to go first? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, sounds good. Okay, go, go for it. All right. So, so who is the person? Her name is Sherry Lynn Smith, and um, this one's very sad. She was young, so prepare yourself. Listen, don't listen. You know, you be the judge. Okay, so Sherry Lynn Smith is from Regina. Her parents are Ed and Linda Smith. Her family was a nice Catholic middle-class family. She was a good student. She won awards in school. She was like part of her youth group at church and that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> when she turns 14, she kind of hits like a rebellious stage, you know? I mean, who doesn't? Right. All teenagers do. She hits this rebellious stage. She starts hanging out with different friends, w- wearing different clothes, you know, defying her parents. How dare you? <laughs> that was not me at 14. Just saying. I was the perfect kid. Right, mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, later her parents actually discovered that 
it was possible she was sexually assaulted by one of the boys in her youth group. So this stage doesn't really go away. They thought at first that it was a rebellious stage, but yeah. So, but they didn't find this out until a while later. She never talked about it. She didn't tell anybody. (coughs) Um, Her parents were really worried about her. They got her to go to a counselor and um, didn't really help anything. And at uh, when she's about 17, her and her friends go to the Regina Buffalo Days, which uh, I don't know what that is. It's basically like an exhibition. They have games and rides and you can go, but... I personally wouldn't recommend going by yourself or even with people at that matter. Go when you're older, maybe Mm -hmm. more mature. Go with your family. Go during the day Mm because there has been a lot of crime that has happened during exhibition. Stabbings, murders. Like, is it like the fair where there's the rides and the popcorn and all that kind of stuff? Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, I feel the expedition... Exhibition? Exhibition. In every town is like that. Yeah, now it's called the Queen City X. So it used to be called Buffalo Days, which was the original title. Yeah. Now it's called the Queen City X. They've rebranded. Yeah. But everyone still calls it Buffalo Days. Yeah. Well, there's an X in Saskatoon. There's an X in Meadow Lake. There's an X in North Battle. And it's just a place for everybody to get together and get smashed and do stupid things. Yeah, basically. Okay. And then some people take their kids there during the day. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm not. It doesn't say what time that she went. Nothing bad happens there. They're 17. They go to the fair. Well, actually, something bad. Like, kind of bad. It leads to something bad. She meets a boy. Well, they're all bad. They are all bad. And of course, as a young teenager, right away, she is in love. She loves this man. She thinks this is the one. Oh, no. Yes. And two weeks later, she starts packing her bags. She's like, my boyfriend's coming into money, and I'm leaving with Sorry. him. Sorry. How old is she again? 17. 17. She's... I mean, I feel like that's something I would have done at 17. Yeah. I mean, it's old enough where you can go out and live on your own, but you only know this man for two weeks. No matter how old you are, if you've only known a person for two weeks, don't just up and leave with them. Yeah, don't get married to them either. No. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, um... So she's telling her parents that she's just going to leave with this boy because she's so in love with him. And they have no legal way to keep her there they're trying to tell her you need to stay here you can't go blah 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 they're trying to warn her but they have no legal way of keeping her in that house isn't it until 18 to legal adult no 16 oh yeah news to me yeah and um so it turns out that this man that she's in love with her boyfriend is a sex trafficker and there was a term that they called them on the one article that i was reading something about a shrimp i don't know he's new and so he's got to prove himself to his pimp and he's got to recruit people. Oh, so he was targeting women at yes. the fair. Yeah. So he's a new sex trafficker and he works for a pimp that's, I don't know the proper word for a pimp, but you know, he's high up, this guy. And he's got Probably women, just a sex trafficker. Maybe. Yeah. All over the place. <clears throat> and so her boyfriend brings him to this higher up sex trafficker and he very quickly gets her addicted to drugs and working on the streets. So she's working on the streets of Calgary as a sex worker. And soon after, she's picked up as a minor at a pub crawl. So there's a bunch of them going out, hanging out. There's a bunch of girls hanging out with a bunch of guys. They're going on this pub crawl. She's picked up as a minor and she's sent back to her parents in Regina. Oh, so that's good. For now. 
Yeah. So her parents try to get her to go to rehab, but also, again, no legal way of keeping her in rehab. There's a thing, and I'm not sure if it's Saskatchewan or if it's Canada, but for a rehab, you have to want to go there. You can't be forced to go into rehab. You have to say, I want to come to rehab. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't just push somebody through the door and say, help them. They have to go on their own. And so she starts trying to work as a sex worker in Regina to pay for her drug habit because she's so addicted to drugs. And, well, it's Regina. She's not making any money, so she runs away again. And she goes back to her lover, her boyfriend, this evil person. And, oh, no. He doesn't have a name? He does not have a name. Okay, so he's unnamed. He's unnamed. I read five different articles, and none of them named him. And I'm assuming maybe he was... A minor? Okay. Yeah, because so. her parents wanted this story told, so that's why her name's out. But as a minor, if you don't want your name told, it's kept quiet. Right. Yeah, so I'm not sure how old he was, so I'm, and I don't know what his name is. So I'm assuming that he was a minor, but I don't know. Oh, and before she runs away again, actually, she discovers that she's pregnant and she has an STD. So not going so well. She said she wants to keep the baby because she thinks that if she gives birth to this baby, if she has the baby, that her boyfriend, which whom she's still with and still in love with, won't make her work as a sex worker anymore because she has a baby. Oh, no. That's like such false hope. Yeah. Well, she's so young. She's so young. This is her first boyfriend and she's just, yeah. So at this point, the main, like the higher up sex uh, trafficker, he moves the girls around all the time. So he moves her to Victoria. So she's 17. So Victoria, BC. Yes. British Columbia. Yes, yes. So on the island? Yeah. I feel like that's so secluded. Yeah. Well, okay. So she is 17. She's pregnant. She's addicted to drugs. And she has an STD. This poor girl who just met this boy at a fair and he just brought her into this crazy life. Basically destroying it. Yes, absolutely. So her parents are constantly looking for her. So at one point in one of the articles, it said that shortly after she moved to Victoria, the calls stopped. So I'm assuming that means that when she was in these other cities, she had been calling them and telling them that she was okay. Yeah, just keeping keeping yeah, tabs. Keep, exactly. So the one said that, yeah, shortly after she moved to Victoria, the calls stopped. And so her mother is going, just going to Victoria and just driving down streets and talking to girls. And she met some girls that did know her but hadn't seen her. And that was kind of it they one of the girls that she knew in victoria had reported her missing and there wasn't a lot happening so at this point in time too it was also the same time as robert picton as him it wasn't him okay but it like all the police efforts were focused on picton so it kind of got looked over also sex workers at the time were just looked over in general really yes yeah which I think to this day still is. Still. Some places are a bit better, but it's still terrible. They just think, oh, they pretty much got themselves into that mess, which is not true at all. No, they're human beings. Exactly. It's like they forget that their mothers and daughters and sisters and all of these people are important. Yes, exactly. So for a long time, there is nothing. There's no news of her until 
Um, September 11th of 1990. So um, how many years later was that? So it would have been about two. About two years later. Okay. About two years. Yeah, well, a year and a half, I'd say. All right. A year and a half because she's 18 at this point. Right. So <clears throat> September 11th, 1990, a man is riding a horse through a regional park in B- BC and he finds her very badly decomposed body buried, like pushed under some bushes. So he calls the police and there's an autopsy and all this. Well, um, they do what they, they research and inspect the body and all that kind of stuff. It was determined that she had been there for three months. She had been dead already for three months. She was six months pregnant when she died. And it, when she died, it was just weeks after her 18th birthday. So the coroner's office determined that she had been badly beaten to death. And that's how she died. And they never found who did it. Oh, it was clearly the boyfriend. Yeah. And at one point, one of the articles said, and I didn't put this in the story because I'm not sure how true it is or not. But at one point, they said that she had been summoned to court for something, but she never went because the sex traffickers obviously don't want the girls going into court and telling them all this information. So she never went. So she could have had this valuable information they didn't want her to share. Yeah. Well, and if she's saying, oh, if I have this baby, I don't have to work. And if she's saying that kind of thing, maybe they're upset with her. Maybe she was telling her parents more than she was supposed to. Could have been anything. So many things. Yeah. Yeah. And there was there was a website that thought that it was Robert Picton, but then they went through it and said no because he took the girls to his farm. Like, it was just not his MO. No. He was feeding them to his pigs or something? Uh, some remains he would feed to his pigs. Some remains he would feed to people. Yeah. Robert Picton is the worst a of the mess. fucking worst. That is a mess right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was rough. Yeah. So that is the story of, oh my God, can we cut that part out? <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Okay. Yeah. So that was the story of Sherry Lynn Smith. Very, very sad. From Regina. From Regina, yes. And then some stupid asshole boyfriend. I don't know. I don't even know how that situation went down. Just took her into this sex world. Sex working world. Wow. Uh, Mine is, unfortunately, I want to say similar, but not. It still had to do with sex work and the sex trade and -hmm. and things like that. But there is a prison involved in yours, (laughs) which is much better yes there were people that were put away unsolved cold cases are just like they break my heart because we listen to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are cold cases and it just is like think of all the bad people Mm -hmm. in the world that get away with things well and her family they have no idea who did this to her daughter i mean they probably have their suspicions but and they did a lot of work afterwards after their daughter's death trying to raise awareness for sex workers and that they are people and that you can't just ignore their deaths because you don't want to do anything about it yeah for sure so my case is also very sad And I'm pretty sure a lot of people in Regina should know the case. But for those that don't, I'm going to run through it really quick. Mm -hmm. It is a very long case. I'm going to try my best to get everything accurate. But there is a lot of stuff that Mm -hmm. happened in this case. And a lot of it actually, well, there was an uprising. 
which yeah. is a, it's a good thing. So this is the murder of Pamela Jean George. On April 18th, 1995, I was only a couple months old. I wasn't born yet. Oh. <laughs> um, Pamela Jean George, a mother of two girls, was found dead on the outskirts of Regina, west on Pinky Road. She was found beaten with... A, wow. <laughs> she was found beaten to death with black eyes, cuts on her hands, injuries consistent with blunt force trauma, and numerous blows to the head, which was determined what caused her death the brain damage and the brainstem damage of those blows so pamela jean george was born february 27th 1927 she was an ojibwe woman and was killed when she was 28 years old when she was found murdered on the side of a road by another passing motorist um, she was a mother of two wonderful girls who knew uh, and those who remember and knew pamela remember her as kind respected uh, who re she was kind. She respected her elders and her people. She was from Sacame Reserved and lived in Regina's North Central, where she worked on occasion as a sex worker for extra income. So as we discussed be before, being uh, classified as a sex worker almost makes you classified as less than a person, especially mm -hmm. in those days by people, which is not true. Mm -hmm. Every she was a mother. I like to put that first because she was a mother and a daughter mm -hmm. and she had a life. Lots of people just do it because they need the money. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, I think the saddest part of the whole mm -hmm. thing. And that comes into play a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, when first found the RCMP were adamant that it was a street killing done by another, either sex worker, someone in the sex trade or um, other men within the sex industry that they had been tagged. So there was actually a suspect of another man who was suspected of murdering uh, a different sex worker, mm -hmm. but he was actually ruled out um, when a tip came into the police saying that there had been two boys who had killed a prostitute on outskirts of Regina. Was it anonymous? It was at the time, I believe, mm -hmm. but this person did come forward for the trial, yep. which I think is amazing. And we're going to talk yes. about him. So they believe that this case would not have been solved without that tip. So if this didn't happen and if these boys, like they could have gotten away with it. Mm -hmm. So it was their friend who had called in saying that he had talked to his friends and they had been bragging that they hadn't done much the night before, just got drunk, drove around and killed this chick. What? Assholes. So these two boys were bragging about how they murdered somebody. What kind of psychopath does that? Exactly. So these are the types of psychopaths. These two boys, they were both 20 years old, so they were young. Um, Stephen Cumberfield and Alex Turnowetsky. Alex Turnowetsky. We're going to say that. Oh, God. Were university students. Mm -hmm. They were white, middle-class basketball players. And they were very affluent. So these boys decided on their last day of class that they were going to go find a prostitute, as they said, now known as sex workers. But that was what they had been saying. Mm -hmm. So what they did, so what was said was they had drank a 40-ounce bottle of Southern Comfort. Okay. As well as grabbing a 12-pack of high-alcohol beer. 
and gotten drunk and went to find a sex worker on what is known as the stroll in Regina. So it's such douchebag. Yeah, it's in North Central, and that's where a lot of sex workers are found. Mm-hmm. But even you can just tell in their personality that they're douchebags if they're saying exactly how much they drank, and it was high alcohol beer, and just, I'm a fucking asshole. Well, they, they're trying to get out of it. They're trying to not, and we'll get to that. It, it was... It's a very, very sad outcome in a sense. You, there's doesn't matter how drunk you are. You did it. You did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know your actions. So they had actually tried to pick up a few other uh, sex workers that night who had all said no because they had watched one of the boys because Alex had actually uh, been had snuck into the back of the trunk so he was hiding in the trunk of the car that they were in and the girl saw this and there was a couple girls that had saw so they were like no we're not getting into the trunk with you yeah like like we're not gonna get into the car good call yeah so until they had found pamela who did not know someone was hiding in the car right pamela got into the car and she was driven out to the outskirts of the city and they had stopped Mm -hmm. and as soon as they had stopped she saw the trunk open. Oh, my God. That's scary. And Alex step out of the trunk to which she tried to run because that is not a safe space. No. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So she had tried to run mm-hmm. and the boys chased after her and caught her. In trial, it came out that they had threatened her if they if she did not perform oral sex on them, that they would kill her. So basically, this is rape. Yeah, this is moved into rape territory. Yes. So after this, they had actually beaten her, called her racist names, and left her face down, dead, in a ditch on Pinky Road. so sad. Yes. It was horrific Mm -hmm. what these boys did. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's something to remember. We need to remember Pamela mm-hmm. because these boys, they're about to get away with it, in my opinion. So. What year was this? This was in 1995. So during the trial, the boys coming from very affluent families, white middle class, their families spent over $100,000 for the best lawyers, the best forensic team, And it really showed a division of class and what people can get away with when they have money. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of where the uprising starts. People are now starting to see that this justice system is not one made for everyone. Mm -hmm. It is made for the elite. It is made for the white. It is made for those type of people. It is not made for those people of color Mm -hmm. and those people who maybe don't have the most favorable trade in society Mm -hmm. so the trial was interesting to say the least Mm -hmm. um their friend who was the one that actually called in tyler stewart like one of their fellow students or something yeah someone who knew both of the boys yeah uh tyler stewart uh actually testified against them and we're saying that when he had called them the day after the event happened and asked what they had done for their kind of finals are over type of party. celebration thing. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, not so much. Got drunk, drove around and killed this chick. I can't believe these 
people. Yeah. They were bragging about killing this woman to multiple people. Mm -hmm. Under cross-examination, though, it is said that he kind of changed it to, we think we killed her. But what either the way. What does that mean? Yeah. They knew what they did. Not only are they douchey, they're also stupid. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening, uh, Tyler also stated that the boys had said, oh, well, she deserved it because she was an Indian. She, they called her a squaw. Oh, my God. There was serious racial prejudice. Yeah. Um, even though they say they're like, this is where the kind of uprising came. Because not only was she a woman, mm-hmm. a sex worker, and a First Nations, it happened to like women's rights and indigenous rights. And all of these people came forward and said, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Why is this okay? Why are people getting away with this? Mm-hmm. So it was unfortunate that during the trial, um, after t- almost 30 witnesses, Mr. Justice Ted Malone of the court of Queens bench told an all white jury. So let's remember this is very, very prejudiced. What year is this again? 95. Yeah. Still pretty recent. It's not that Jeez. long ago. Um, s- he told them that it would be actually very dangerous, quote, very dangerous to convict Cumberfield and Taranowski of first degree murder. And he also told them to bear in mind that Pamela, quote, indeed was a prostitute. Why would that be dangerous? And why does it matter if she was a sex worker? I don't know. Is is he threatening the jury right now? Well, he's basically saying these these kids have everything going for them. Let them live their lives. They don't like they don't deserve that. They just took away this woman's life. Exactly. But he's saying, oh, but it's 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 similar to the Brock Turner case. The rapist that got away with fucking rape. Right. Because he was a swimmer. He was going to make it to the Olympics, blah, 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 blah. You don't deserve to go to the Olympics anymore. No. His life is now ruined Mm -hmm. thanks to everyone else, but no thanks to the fucking justice system. Pamela's children are left motherless. Yeah. So even though, yeah, even though the entire time the prosecution was trying to go with first degree murder, they actually got a lesser charge of manslaughter so let's bring on daniel to clarify welcome daniel hey how are you guys <laughs> the joys of having a boyfriend in law school <laughs> i must say are convenient are they just a quick call being like hey can you come here right fucking now for me thanks <laughs> yeah i don't really have much of a life outside uh <laughs> outside studying apparently <laughs> okay but you can actually clarify the difference between first degree second degree and manslaughter yes so tell us, please. I'm confused. Okay, well, sorry. I need to begin by saying I'm not a lawyer, so <laughs> this is all legal information, not legal advice. Uh, in case any of your listeners decide to go out and be like, well, the guy on the podcast said I could do this and kill this person without... No, uh, this is just legal information. <laughs> Holy shit. You have to say Dark that. real thing. No, you, you actually have to say that because uh, a lot of people can get in a lot of trouble, mostly me, <laughs> if I say like, yeah, this is just the legal fact and, you know... Um, but yeah, I know he's doing real good with his voice. <laughs> You're very good at projecting. Thank you. That's also a very important thing you learn in law school. Okay, how to go. Speak. <laughs> so I guess like the difference between uh, manslaughter and then the first and second degree murders uh, to get some background clarification for the criminal code. Every action in the criminal code needs two elements, and that's mens rea and actus reus. 
and Which those means... so mens rea means you have a like a guilty mind so that means that you're like intentionally trying to commit a crime and actus reus is that you actually commit a crime like that's the action okay. so like for example um if you went sleepwalking and ended up killing someone via sleepwalking like you wouldn't have the mens rea to there was a case on that <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And and to, to prove that like you were actually sleepwalking like is extraordinarily hard like you need a whole bunch of like doctor's notes and stuff like that so it's not really a defense unless you have some like really concrete proof that you were actually sleepwalking um, so yeah and then the actus reus would be like it's it's tough with actus reus because when you say when you're saying as like a defense like I didn't commit the crime it's not so much like a question of law it's a question of identity like was it you. So oh, it's not okay. really a question of law. Um, the Stanley Bushi case was a very good example where. Um, no, it wasn't a very good example. Again, that's <laughs> that's like mens rea because he's saying like the gun just sort of went off, like he didn't actively like pull the trigger, and like whether you sort of buy that or not, that's the defense he went with, and that's why he was ultimately not convicted. Oh. Uh, because he didn't have the mens rea, like he didn't actively try and shoot someone that's what he said uh, that's that's what he said yeah whether you know everyone has their own opinion on on that case especially here in saskatchewan uh so yeah take that as it is so manslaughter first degree and second degree murder all have uh it are all impacted by the mens rea portion it's the intent so for example first degree murder uh there's required that there's sort of like a scheme to you know commit this act so something along the lines of you were sort of planning it beforehand or whatnot uh would go to someone being convicted of first degree murder where second degree murder is often like a spur of the moment type thing where you know something pops up and for murder for example if you just pull out a gun and shoot someone that would be more second degree murder versus uh first degree murder where you're like hey i'm gonna plan to go to this person's house i'm gonna it's more like um i guess like thought of as like a scheme rather than uh, second-degree murder is just sort of like a reaction almost. Or, okay. Oh, it's not premeditated, I think, is the, the but, big one. So if somebody went to rob a liquor store at gunpoint and they ended up shooting somebody, but they didn't intend on killing somebody when they went there, but they intended on robbing the store? Yeah, so that's where things get a little hairy. Uh, often, if it's seen where, I forget the case name, but there is a case that deals with this. If you're committing a prior crime and a murder happens within the committing of the prior crime mm-hmm. a lot of the times it is seen as second degree murder as you should know that you know there is a possibility things can go wrong uh, especially for example with like an armed robbery so shouldn't that be first degree because if you take the gun so yeah first first degree yeah. yeah sorry yeah so if you take the guns into the store you mm-hmm. knew that those guns were loaded and therefore you could have killed some like it's gonna pre- it's premeditated because you took those guns in it's not an example where you're committing another crime, it doesn't necessarily have to be the murder that's premeditated. It could be the action of another crime. Like if you know, for example, you're going to go in and uh, rob a liquor store, you're premeditating uh, committing an action that's against the Canadian Criminal Code. Uh, so that can serve as a premeditation where you also know that there's a risk that someone could be shot if you're bringing guns and an armed robbery, right? So, um, Can you just say what manslaughter is? So manslaughter is the act... I believe it is the act of killing someone without any mens rea, but you're instead you're acting dangerously. So this was the exa- like the example of the Jared, Gerald Stanley ca- case where they're trying to determine is waving a gun and having it discharge into someone 
should that be counted as manslaughter versus, uh, you know, just a complete accident? That decision left a lot of people in my college scratching their head. I know the college not quite shut down, but all the classes were stopping to talk about that decision as it came out just because there was a lot of uh, non-understanding in the legal community on how that verdict got to where it was. Uh, again, we weren't in the, the room with the jury. We weren't in the court necessarily hearing all the evidence coming forward. Um, but it seemed like manslaughter might have been a more probable uh, point of focus for the Crown rather than, you know, going for the big fr fish in uh, second-degree murder, I believe it was. so. Well, thanks so much. That clarified a little bit. We'll get back to the story. <laughs> so, Pamela Jean George's killers were actually only sentenced to a lesser charge of manslaughter as saying that they had no intent. Right. And they were trying to argue that they were too wasted to know what they were doing, right? Correct. There was two things that came into play. According to the jury, first, they were drunk and therefore could not be held responsible for their actions, which means there was no evidence of intent to murder. And second, that Pamela George was a sex worker and therefore would have agreed to performing oral sex. That if somebody comes out of the fucking trunk of a car, you are not agreeing to have sex with that person. No, it was there was proof in the case saying mm -hmm. that they were forced to have oral sex. And if like, she was there on a regular sex working whatever, she would not have been beaten to death. No, this was... That's what blows my mind. So the judge, uh, Malone. <laughs> what? Name dropping. <laughs> Sorry. The judge Malone actually <laughs> sentenced these boys to only six and a half years in prison. This is terrible. For but, And I don't get the half a year. That's still <laughs> confusing me for, there. For manslaughter instead of first degree, which... Remember, he was very adamant that she was a sex worker and therefore didn't have the same rights as everybody else. Humans are humans. Yes. Let's just remember that. And so, I would like to point out that they were driving a vehicle around Regina and down a dirt road. If they were that drunk, they would not have been doing that. They oh, could not have been able to do that. No. No. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it was in December 1996 when they were convicted of six and a half years. Um it was only four years later when Cumberfield uh, was released on uh, parole. They had actually sent him to a New Brunswick prison because they were worried that he would get attacked in some of the Saskatchewan prisons. And same with Alex Ternowetsky, who was also released in just under four years in August 2002, but was placed back in jail for beating his girlfriend up in 2000. So he's obviously a psychopath if he's, well, I mean... Even originally they were. And then he did it again. Yeah. And he was the one hiding in the trunk. Yeah. It's just the case is awful and sad and racist as shit. Racist as shit. And the only good outcome is that light was shed on the problems in the justice system yeah, that day. That's true. So that's some cases that are super sad. And then people don't get the sentence that they should. And the victim and the family doesn't get what they should get. There usually is some sort of turnover in the justice system. Well, Sometimes there is, and then that's good. Yeah, so that that's my case. That is the murder of Pamela Jean George. Wow, very sad. Yeah, it was awful. This whole episode has been pretty depressing, to be honest. It has, but you know how we make the episode better at the end? <laughs> By doing a thing that I forgot to do. <laughs> yeah, like we forget every time. Yeah, <laughs> that thing. Okay. But, yeah. 
we always like to say uh, one thing that you can do for the community, or we like to talk about someone that's doing good things for the community, uh, places you can volunteer, blah, 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 something good about the community, because we need to cheer it up. And you need to be better people. <laughs> we all need to be better people, <laughs> let's be honest. So I have chosen the North Central Family Center. And what they do is they provide programs and activities and services um, to children and families. They're located in North Central. They do programming and all that kind of stuff. So check out their page. They do a lot for the community. And I just thought it'd be a good one considering that was the community where uh, Pamela Jean George was from. So definitely check out their website. It's northcentralfamilycenter.ca and see how you can help in their community. And I have chosen SWAP. So it is the Street Workers Advocacy Project and they just provide a safe environment for sex workers. They provide a voice for them. They help them if they've been in any sort of violent attack or um, it's any sort of domestic violence even. Unsafe places. Yes. And they help youth who are maybe addicted to drugs and just need to stay in school and that kind of thing. So you could go to swapregina.org and they do accept volunteers. Awesome. Bam. Well, that was our depressing true crime episode. More to come. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yes. And just remember, this is two broke girls who acquired a mic. And that's how this happened. Bye, guys. <laughs>